All right. Welcome to another edition of the Yellow Flag Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Mitchell. Today I've got another great crew, and we've got a highly sought-after duo here. So we'll start off with the AD of Pitt. We've got Jay Bass coming again. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, you know, work doesn't call me into action this time. I told them to leave my line alone tonight. Hey, sometimes you just got to put it on Do Not Disturb. After that, we have the man himself, the legendary Tom Pence, a.k.a. Grin. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be in here with such a a nice cast of uh, of cohorts and uh, looking forward to a another evening of CSFL talk. Oh, it's going to be a good one. And last, but short, surely not least, we have the angry leprechaun himself, the two-time back-to-back champion. He's looking over at Grant and telling him, give me your belt. We have Wookie himself. Pleasure to be here. And like I posted in league chat, you know, where I cashed in my automatic rematch clause. So we'll be back <laughs> next year. <laughs> it, it does help to be in, a, in the same conference. Yeah, it it definitely helps, and it's gonna be fun. We got some ACC reps in here tonight, so it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. Once again, I am a the solo conference rep, and I I'm by myself. There's not much I can say. I've played against every single person here, and every single person has beat me, and I've never beat them. So, this is fun. I'm having a great time. Well, at least you're not Venom, who tries so hard to beat me. But he just I know. Simply... <laughs> at least I get close. Venom got close in season 12. Was it closer Why? than 27-21? Yeah, the, uh, it was the semifinal game. I think that was like a three-point game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. That's not too bad. But, you know, Wookiee does have to get to the UFC fight, so we're going to run him through the gauntlet real quick. How has your recruiting been so far? We're excited, man. Uh, we didn't have too many holes to fill coming into this season, so we just, I think we did a good job of executing where we needed to and adding some pieces that I thought were missing last season. So we brought in a big, bad defensive tackle so I can get the kryptonite that's been killing me the last two seasons at least have my own sword of justice on my team and then obviously the big name out there would be Dwayne Sammons coming in to replace Deuce Williams at running back for his senior year so that was a big pickup for us we were really ecstatic about that uh Tyrell Cross another guy an outside linebacker to team up with Rocky Dale and Rocky Dale's senior season so he's six foot five and he's a He's a monster so far, so we're excited about him. And obviously, we brought in VK Sniper from uh, Washington, Kareem Parker, to replace Jace Nickelberry. And then we had Ethan Bernard come in at corner to help fill us up some depth there. And we had uh, Glitched Reality come in to wrap up our receiving core. So I'm pretty excited, man. I think we got a championship roster once again. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously hard losing, like, Leo Guerrero at strong safety. And then 
you know, you went from a Fiat to a Bentley with getting Dwayne Sammons. But overall, uh, it's yeah. been good. <laughs> You, you, you've got yeah. a well-rounded roster, and you, you did good on picking them up while you were doing double duty. Oh, I, I can't take any credit for Iowa, man. I really can't. Besides getting those two coaches in there together, that was all them, man. They took the bull by the horn, and I'm so proud of them. They put together that class in Iowa County. That's, that I had nothing to do with any of that. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple conversations with Tyree. We talked for about an hour and a half last night, and I walked him through some stuff that kind of help him out and figure out the issues he was having. But, you know, going in, he didn't have as much experience simming as you would want. But I'm excited to see what he does. He seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, and uh, he's willing to put his foot down and say, hey, no, this is wrong. We're going to set this right. Yeah, so that's why I paired him and Platypus together because they both brought two very unique strengths and I thought together they could be a powerhouse. And so far, it's looking like they very well could be. Tyree was very excited about the opportunity. He told me that he loves recruiting and I was like, well, there's that specialty niche that I was looking for. And then obviously Platypus has been around here since season nine, I believe. Me and him were teammates at Clemson and he's... uh, Related to, you know, Smitty, and I know Smitty knows how to game plan. I know he was on Smitty's uh, coaching staff there for a while. Then he was under Houston last season. So get the guy with the experience game planning with the guy who can recruit, and bam, you got yourself a pretty good setup in Iowa City, Iowa. Yeah, I think that was kind of a loss for Jay Bass being the uh, 80th pit, not going and getting a – platypus kyler i mean he looks like mac miller reincarnated so i feel like that could have been a really good recruiting pitch and possibly a miss step right there well you know funny enough um you you can even ask tom is i actually i had my targets in mind going in like from the day it was announced who were the new ad's and i was like all right this is kind of this is the staff i want I, i missed out on two guys one of those being Tyree. Um, I, I definitely did try to snag him as an OC for me. And he told me that he just, he couldn't pass up the opportunity to work under, you know, all the different ADs over the course of the season. And so that one, that one hurt, you know, when he went there, but I understand why it was a better move for him than coming to uh, you know, a newer AD. He has more opportunity to grow and learn in his role that he's at now. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I, I, I recruited Tyree when he first entered the league because I had a specific offense I wanted to run, and it required two elite halfbacks. We obviously didn't get it at Iowa, and didn't get to run that, and kind of glad because we watched Ohio State self-implode with that playbook last season. But, you know, that's the way the league works. You know, you see something in your Sims, and you're like, this is the holy grail, no one's ever seen that. And then, you know, come game time, you realize, oh, everybody there's this magic gradual formula to beat it. And it's not that hard to figure out. <laughs> I would agree with you on that. I'm, you know, Pitt did, I'm looking at Pitt's roster and they had some <clears throat> really good pickups in uh, both the transfers and recruits. And now uh, they, they brought over a little bit of that Notre Dame luck and Rashad black and, and they've got some guys on there with, you know, Helix Myers, sitting behind and learning a little bit from uh, Carr and GSP and 
and soccer dude they, they've got directly by them there's some guys that that have been on some really good programs so you know that recruiting class by pit is pretty solid class and, and a good blend of what you've got to have when you're building a program and uh, you know great job base with with what you've done and you've still got you know, plenty of work that i know you're still putting together oh yeah 100 percent. out of all the new programs i think the best job of building a foundation right off the start has been base i mean you can't I don't think out of what was available, you could honestly say anybody started off with a better foundation than base pairing up with GSP. I appreciate that guys. I mean, ultimately that was my pitch from day one to everybody was, you know, Hey guys, we're not going to come in and win year one. Like, you know, everybody wants to win. And I, I completely understand because I, I want to win myself. And, uh, but I had to, you know, set realistic expectations with everybody. And I was like, Hey guys, you know, year one is a foundation year. Like, yes, we want to win. And I plan, I do so plan on doing so. But that being said, I know realistically coming in as a, as a new expansion team with some of the limitations that are set out against us, you know, it's not going to be feasible to go out and say, Oh, Hey, I promise you a national title. I, you know, that was the approach I had at Florida state that I was lucky enough to be able to recruit with. So I'm lucky that the guys that I brought in, you'll, you'll notice a lot of them are, are big names in chat lately. You know, we're trying to bring in these active guys that are uh, going to help in a way, just, you know, promote the program from within the more that uh, new recruits coming in over the next season or two, you know, see us in chat and see our, our gifts and our pictures, our logos, it's going to make us what we feel to be a destination program in the CFSL. So that was the plan in mind from day one is, Hey, we're not necessarily going after all elites, you know, granted we want to land a lot of them, but we have to get people that are going to want to buy into building something special. And that's the good thing about everybody that I have is they're all 100% on board with it. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start out with it and uh, kind of segues into this with uh, asking Woody since he's on limited time. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the off season, off season additions. They've been posted now. Uh, what are your like three, four teams that you're really looking at and you're saying, wow, that's not expected and that's actually going to change this program for the better? Well, I think the easy one would be probably be Illinois. I mean, I don't know if anybody really expected Stevens to come in and get as many guys as he's got right away for you know Illinois, who is not technically or anywhere really a blue blood program on anything. It's they're just kind of there in the Big Ten. So I was really impressed by what he's put together. Um, Texas, obviously, being Texas, man, they just they just continued to reload. You look what Juby's brought in, adding Tink to that roster. I mean, that, that's huge. You have a guy of experience. You had a guy who knows the ins and outs of game planning. Now he's on your roster. And with the rest of the studs that they've brought in, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> Texas, Juby's doing everything he can to get that elusive title and i hope he does get it here someday soon just not this season because we plan on getting it um and then you look at you know michigan had another great class as venom continues to put together his resume there and rebuild that program but alabama you know adding pieces they've had dude it's crazy and then you have florida state who just continues to reload as well so it's gonna there's a lot of teams out there that made some very key moves oklahoma state as well adding 
Rogi or Rogi or whatever you want to call him. I'm still mad at him. Uh, <laughs> he broke my heart, so I won't pronounce his name right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really good uh, thing to look at, especially with, like, Illinois. You know, we're starting to see some of these not-true-blue-bloods get a lot of love because people are buying into that underdog story. And, you know, it's we still have it a little bit, that chip chaser mindset kind of going on, or as we say down here in Oklahoma, buckle bunnies. But I feel like the league's kind of turning to where people are taking more mindset of, they're seeing these guys like Levi Timms, uh, Isaac Frost, Iman Porter. They're seeing those guys and how much they are able to turn around a program by coming in and doing one really good season. And they're like, hey, I want to be the next guy that kickstarts this program. And I think that's only better for the league as a whole that we get away from this mindset of, hey, I want to win now. And we get into the mindset of, hey, I want to build a dynasty with these guys. And it helps, you know, the league not only grow and gain more attention, but it helps build more friendships within the league and helps strengthen us as a core. I think you're always going to have though those guys that are out there that just want to chase that ring. And there's always going to be teams like Florida State, like Texas, like Notre Dame, like Oklahoma State that are always going to be in that. I don't see, unless something tragic happens, I don't see any of these te- any of those teams that are the perennial playoff teams. You know, have their team implode and losing their entire foundations that they've already built. That's the what go back to what Bates was saying, that's the key, is building those foundations when you first take over a program or you bring a new program in. That doesn't happen overnight. That's why we preach it's a marathon, not a sprint. But once you get that foundation set, it sets you up for the future if you continue to maintain it and allow yourselves to think outside of the box when it comes to recruiting. I mean, Tom's done the best of that of anybody, bringing in guys for the future. And it's something that we here at Notre Dame have really taken to heart, and we're expanding upon that as well yeah and the thing that i find most beautiful about it is you do that and you start planning not just for that season but two three seasons out that allows you to experiment a little bit and get out of your comfort zone and maybe you find something weird that nobody else has ever seen like tom's done with the pro style and houston's done with his offenses previously and tink did with his defense it just creates a better atmosphere at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I mean, it's just like, you know, even Notre Dame, and you look at Texas and you look at what, what you know, some of these other programs are doing and, and, and we do have done at Florida State is it's, it is, it's, it, it's being real with the people you, you're bringing in. It's, it's having realistic goals and setting up, this is what we want to do right now. But this is the big picture, and if if you can, you know, you buy in, and you and this, and I always give this guy credit for it, and and he doesn't get talked about enough for being just a great AD, is uh, is horns, and that you know the one one thing I learned from him that I I, I preach constantly is that culture is is building. You got to build a culture before you can do anything, and if you can build a culture and and get the guys to realize that hey you know what we're doing this together as one this is how we roll 
um, Baze has been in this locker room and he's seen how it's gone from, you know, the foundation of you've got five or six guys that are always in, in, in there talking and where it's like, does it ever stop? And it's, and it, it's amazing. And you get guys that hear those rumors and that's, that's how you see, you know, these names going to these different programs because they're like, okay, you know what? They, they, they're doing what they said they were going to do and look at the success they're having now. And maybe we want to go see what that's about. Or you go look at, you know, Wookie brought it up. But you you got to really put your hat off to Iowa. That's that's a, a really great recruiting class. And to be able to go, and then he brought up Wisconsin and Illinois. And even though Tennessee's considered a blue blood university, you know, you, you brought them back from not being in the league. And, and to go watch those programs, kind of crawl a little bit and and then start to be in games and then next you know they 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 leapfrog and and you know I don't take anybody for granted um in the league team wise but to get but you know that game where it's the YouTube game and everybody's thinking okay well here's one and then they step up and it's like wow it's just kind of like West Virginia did last year jumping on the scene in that Oklahoma State game and it was like okay we're here we 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 had our growing pains. We're now, you know, getting some respect, and and we're uh, we're going to show you what we're all about. And you know, Logan, you know, he knew his offense was already that good. He knew where he needed to focus with Tennessee, and 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 he did that on his defensive side, which is is pretty impressive. Um, and you know, it's you know, West Virginia had a really nice recruiting class. And, and But the, the team that kind of stands out at me that nobody's brought up yet is Oregon didn't make a lot of noise as far as kind of what everybody thinks, like splashy this, splashy that. But they added they added some pretty good talent where they really, really needed it and from to fill some spots that they had lost on. And 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 if you look at some of the you know the names of the guys that they that are over there, they're they're guys that are really active in league chat. Oklahoma State did the same thing. You know, Houston's always the quiet guy, but you know to bring T Mac and Big Dog and Joey Cash, you know, and 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 Justin over there, and, and a lot of people don't realize who Justin is until yeah. um, you know you look at his old player and you that's his oh well that that you know. That's we that we know who that is, and yeah. you bring Raggy in, and to bring Raggy in, they, they they bring guys in that you know are, are solid people and and are gonna you know help help keep doing what that program is doing, and then you know Oklahoma going and getting Benny to go over there, and, and Derek Power, who you talk about elite quarterbacks that he's not going to start or play his freshman year, that to buy into what they're building over there, and. Uh, and it's it's nice to see, and you can see it all through the league on these teams. I'm looking at the roster sheets, and you just look at names, and you know guys that that are are going to these programs, and they're they're not slouches. They're 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 old timers in the league, and and guys that have come into the league and made names. You know, North Carolina picking Mason G, and then Frosty going. You know, that's going to be a monster cornerback, and 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 buying in and and going there and. And, you know, I've already brought up the names at Pitt, but, you know, please in me now. How long has he been around? It seems like forever. And, and to go go to Nebraska and, and go yeah. play over there. And, and look, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see, and it's good for the league 
And, uh, I mean, you can just scroll through here and just see all these teams. And Miami went and picked up some some pretty salty talent. And, <clears throat> and it's it's going to be an interesting season. Um, you know, LSU, they, they, they're they always known for making noise. And, and, and they picked up some big players. And they picked up some guys that like to say, hey, how good we are. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do going back to the SEC. And then, and then you have that, that one team that's already – you know, only been around for a few seasons and only filled immediate needs in Kentucky and nobody said anything about them because they really didn't have to do anything. They, they went out, you know, picked up an elite cornerback, which they needed to do, and and a five-star wide receiver, which he needed to add to go a little more vertical. But they did what they needed to do and and didn't go out trying to... Overreach. To, to overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you talked about Miami because I think Miami has done absolutely amazing. I mean, you get Gates bringing in his own player, his own player at Elite DT, and we know with Gates players that he's going to be explosive right off the get go. Uh, then you bring in the number two defensive end transfer and beat mm-hmm. it down, who knows how to make players. We've all seen it, and then Matty Ice, who's a great safety and possibly one of the best tight ends in Sailor. I mean. Mm-hmm. And then they added another five-star wide receiver. It, Miami's slowly shaping up to be one of those in the talk every season for playoff contention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gates did a great job his first season bringing in guys. And, you know, he had a quarterback that a lot of us had written off. And it we're finding out that it was just who was leading him, who was game planning. That Odie's an elite, elite quarterback. He just needed the right person to be there. Yep. And, you know, I'm, yep. uh, Gates is an amazing person. I've talked to him a lot of times, and his game planning is obviously above expectations that I think anybody would have expected from him. But mm-hmm. that team's going to be one. You've got to watch out because they could be a dark horse for, you know, a second-round playoff team. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't – we talk about recruiting and, and different angles of, of things you can do that help you land recruits. And it doesn't hurt to say, well, they, they, they kind of ran buckshot this season, but we were the one team that beat them and, uh, and beating us. So, you know, Gates has, has done the things he needs to do to – to get that team going and to say that, you know, I can be ready whenever I need to be ready. And you brought up Michigan and I mean, to go out and add two elite cornerbacks and elite tight end, um, you know, they've, they've, they're not, they're not ready to tell everybody, Hey, we were just a one in, in a flash season. They, they, they want to be there at the end fighting for that conference also. So it's, it's just been an amazing. And it, what's crazy about it, that was the first round of recruiting. We're fixing to open a second portal up and and that's going to make uh things even more interesting because you know some of some of these teams have had amazing recruiting classes but they're kind of done and now these other teams can come in and say well sorry for you you don't get to add anybody you know you 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 sprint it out there and and now we're going to pick up these these amazing players that are coming in oh yeah a hundred percent and one of the things that i really think is super impressive is you know, 
we, we saw Kentucky come into the league and they took, you know, it by storm being a first year expansion team. We're seeing all these new guys. We used to think Kentucky as the outlier for an expansion team. We see a lot of these new guys coming in and following that same game plan and following that same line, and they're doing really, really good for an expansion team, quite opposite of what we typically expect. And yeah, totally. It's it it's throwing the league into a whirlwind because it's like, hey. Do I want to go to this expansion team and redo what Kentucky did and possibly improve on it? Or do I want to try to help out a team in need? Or do I want to go out and win and have a guaranteed win as much as a win is not guaranteed at the league? And, you know, and this is one of those first <clears throat> first recruiting cycles that I've been in. We always put the work in when it comes to recruiting, and I've been blessed to have a coaching staff that puts in as much effort as I do. but. This was one of those coaching recruiting cycles where it was like, man, you know, just because you won the national championship doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lock in these guys and get them to come to you because everybody is is doing such a great job of selling their program and what their vision is, and and when you've got that going around the league, it it makes it interesting. And it, you know, we've never been a program that does it, and I'm not saying anybody else has, but. You know, just the law of averages, there's got to be somebody out there that has said, well, we're, look at who we are. Look at what we do. You know, you don't have to doubt we're going to be a, a title contender and we're going to be one of the teams at the end. It, it's, you know, you've had those teams like Kentucky that have been able to jump up in, 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 in a very quick time and say, you know, we're we're already successful and we're and and are just our beginnings and and Logan like with you to to already know you've got this amazing offense and and just to be able to go out to recruits and say look this is what we actually did in these games and this is where we were at this point in the game and it's just going to take you know a, you on defense to just make it, to get that stop that we weren't able to get um and then you you know you've got somebody like Basic is coming and say hey I, I came from a program that started at the bottom and look what they built and I'm planning on doing that same thing here and it's just going to take a few seasons for me to do it and uh, so it's there's so many storylines and 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 great ads that that have been in the league and ads that are coming in and and uh, and recruiting that it just goes to show that you know gotta have doesn't matter if you're the national championship team or not you've got to have your a game going. Oh, 100%. I mean, a lot of what I sold to guys this year is, hey, this is what I did with the three- and four-star defense until the last three games of the season when I finally get a five-star. Uh, I'm starting to question myself whether I should have taken the defensive coordinator spot at Iowa and not the offensive coordinator, even though I was very true and blunt with Cody that every single time I played in CAA 14, my defenses gave up like I was ranked like 64th in the country on defense and I was always ranked in the top five in offense when I was playing. But I'm starting to realize de defense for me is a lot easier even though I never played a down of defense on in any sort of varsity role. I was like cornerback four on JV when I was playing even though I was a varsity wide receiver, varsity kicker, varsity kickoff which is another thing a lot of people don't realize i i did do kickoffs 
but I was not the kicker for kickoffs. I was only the kicker on field goals. That's a soccer theme. I, I had the power. I could kick it in middle school. I could kick it out the back of the end zone, but I had no fucking, at that point, I had no sort of aim once you got me past about the 45-yard mark in middle school. It wasn't until high school where the 50s and into the 60s I had aim. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing, but it goes, I mean, it just goes to show you, you never know what you've got until you go out and try it. And that's another thing that I really think that we kind of don't talk about enough in this league is, you know, we've got guys with such a variety of background in sports that it's absolutely unreal. I mean, you played, you played D1 football. And rugby. Oh, you played. I didn't know, not know that you played rugby too. Yeah, I was a, I, when I got hurt and couldn't play football anymore, I switched to rugby. I played rugby in college. Oh, I played. For, I played for uh, two years on a OU's uh, high school team. Nice. Yeah. And well, you look at at its choir right now. You know, you want to get him to talk a little bit, but look at Bays. Not many people know that. Even as an as an intern, he was on an on a college coaching staff yeah it's unreal having that level of expertise right off the get-go yeah i mean i was able to be able to experience like you know real life recruiting at a division one program and uh, i think tom will be the first to tell you i can bring you know the stuff that i learned there here into the cfsl i mean he's seen some of my pitches before and another person if you want to ask ask aaron ike um Ike, there was uh, a couple recruits two seasons ago where we had a group chat with the recruits, and Ike was working when I gave them my pitch. Ike called me up on his first break, and he says, yo, I just I just read that, and it makes me want to just go recommit all over again. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing I told uh, Mike, and I mean, I didn't get into the specifics, and I, I've told a couple people some of my background, but... Uh... A lot of people don't know. I was technically I was a substitute on the Olympic team. I I had an Olympic role number. I played on the development team. Uh, I played against a lot of the teams that you know. If anybody goes out and watches soccer and watches professional soccer, a lot of those guys that are in the lower leagues like the USL and all that, I played against those guys at tournaments because my team was that good that. Like the biggest loss of my, I don't, we never lost a lot, but my biggest loss was against the Houston Dynamo's youth A squad. And the game that I got my scholarship to play was against the New York Red Bulls second youth squad. And we won that game 2-1 and I scored both goals. And I got the scholarship offer. My coach wanted to watch one more game, and we ended up playing against uh, Louisiana's ODP, which is their all-star best of the best in Louisiana. And I got kicked out maybe three minutes into the game, and the coach bumped up my scholarship offer because he said, if you're willing to fight somebody over them just kicking your player, that's somebody I want on my team. Yep, I've heard that story before. It's a great story. Yeah, and, you know, I've got... I don't know. I've won seven national championships myself between indoor and uh, small side 3v3. 
and then I've coached a team to two national championships, 3v3, when I was 16, filling in for uh, one of our high school coaches. And it's that sort of stuff, you know. I, I, I got these, I, I know how to put people in the right situations to make them succeed. That, that was my whole, that was my whole stick was, yeah, I had this kid who is playing somewhere. I, I, I want to say he's playing in the, like the third division of the Iridesi in uh, Netherlands right now. And he played this exact same position since he was seven. And I got him when he was 13 at a 3v3 tournament. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to move you here just for this. And he and his parents were so mad at me for doing it. And then he went on to win the national championship in 3v3 because I swapped into that position and he won the MVP. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and just that everybody just thought you were the lead singer for a country boy band if they'd only read the bio. Man, you know the funny thing about it is my vo- my singing voice is absolutely terrible, <laughs> and you know a lot it's of people weird. a lot of people would not realize this. You know, as much as I'm, you know, I think everybody kind of knows my music background at this point. It's all extremely old country and the new age, very outlaw, hate everything country. I was actually first chair all state saxophone and uh, jazz band saxophone for three years. That's cool, and that's and that's the one thing that's really amazing about the league when you get guys on your team is learning more and more and more stuff about them, and you know who they are, what they're going through. Um, one of the guys I had the privilege of of, of signing, you know, Swaggy. Uh, him and I talk in the mornings and, you know, and, and it's, it's cool just learning what they do, what, what, what their routine is, what they're going through. And, and and it's, it's, it's amazing. And and that's what makes the league so, so awesome. And, and and you get to, you know, you get to learn more and more about people. And and I know this is a kind of a recruiting uh, podcast, but it's like, Go if you ever get the chance, and I know there's so many people in our league now, and it'll get bigger and bigger. But if you ever get the chance to go to hang out, you really get to meet people and realize just how amazing individuals are. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, especially hangout, I can't wait because I'm gonna flood league chat with pictures of me and Tom. Just absolutely crazy. I'm excited. There's, there's. There's, you know, there's so many people that I talk to, you know, Logan, you're one of them and that you you talk to all on the phone or, you know, you're on podcasts together with and you don't get to hang out and, and, and just pick each other's brains and, uh, and tell stories and, and to get to be able to do that, you know, it's it's just awesome. It it does, it does build some amazing friendships. And you don't real a lot of people, the, the friendships that you don't, that you see, you never would have expected. I mean, me and Aaron Ike went at each other's throat for what a whole season. Yeah. And then he was at Tom's house this morning and Tom had to tell him to shut up. He was on the phone with me. And then you just hear Aaron yelling at me through the background, trying to give me tips and stuff and just saying hi to yeah, me. Yeah. But, but that's, what's amazing about it is because, you know, 
like with us, you know, I'll be on the phone with Aaron and I was like, hey, well, let me get this to you. And he goes, well, I've got some of it already. You know, Logan's helped me out with it or Steven's helped me out with it. And, and you know, I was on, the, on a phone call today just trying to get make sure I, I did some patches correctly with OK State. And, you know, it's like, you know, those people and you get to become friends with them. And, and it's like you and me, Logan, we were on texting last night and then it was like, hey, you know what? Give me a call. You were like, can I call you real quick? I'm like, yeah, give me a call. And then we're talking on the phone today. It's like, it's, you, you make some really cool friends. And the thing about the league is a lot of those people would, would we never would have met each other or, or had conversations if it wasn't for the league. And, and when you see Hangout, you know, you've, people have seen pictures from Hangout. It's a motley crew. I mean, it's, it's a melting pot of everybody. Oh, um, 100%. People you, people you'd never expect, like... Um, for me, when I used to do podcasts, I'd always did them for my office. And so I'd always have suits on for people. I think that's kind of, you know, a little bit of the Godfather thing, you know, oh, you know, and that my heritage. And, and then I, I, one day I get to do a podcast from home and for the Inside Blitz and I've got a t-shirt on and, and, the, and, and you're looking over at the league chat. I mean, the, the Twitch chat and everybody's like, holy shit, Tom's got a sleeve? What the hell? <laughs> I, you never would expect it. And then I remember you, I was shocked the first time I saw it. And then you've got this new whole deal of Tom's and Immortal Vampire going on. Yeah, I don't. I age pretty well, I guess. That's, yeah, that's the, which a lot of people won't realize that, that because that's more of an AD kind of running joke going on. But yeah, yeah, totally. But it's just like I had a, <laughs> I had my sister send me a picture a couple of days ago of me holding. Um, my daughter, when she was born, and, and my daughter used to have a, a player, a couple players in the league, and and, and uh, she she'll be sixteen in October. And other than my hairstyle, I, I texted to her. I said, "Wow, man, um, that picture's old." And she goes, "Yeah, but you look the same." And it's like sixteen, <laughs> almost sixteen years ago, and. So, you know, that's, I've got to give that credit to my, my father because he is, he'll be 72 Monday and looks like he's about 55. Man. Uh, you know, the only thing I get from my father's side is the fact that I probably won't go gray until I'm 50. And if I don't go gray when I'm 50, it's going to be in the seventies. And see, that's awesome. Either I'm going to die of a heart attack in about uh, 22 years or I'm going to go absolutely crazy with dementia and I hope I'm part of the league by that point because I just want J-Base to have to deal with me being absolutely batshit crazy for about five years. <laughs> Why me specifically? The whole well, league got to deal with it. It'd be hard for... Uh, it'd be hard... If Tom's doing this when he's in his, you know, 90s, that's going to be very impressive. Yeah, I, I've got the good hair. I just, it, it just, it's, my dad, like, is, is silver, they call him the silver fox, because he's just, he's had, and I've got a younger brother that's been, like, 60% gray since he's, like, a senior in high school. Yeah, my family, it's either you go bald in high school, or you have hair the rest of your life. And you go gray in your fifties, or you never go gray to your seventies. But it, if you don't yeah. go gray to your seventies, you're gonna go batshit crazy. Only thing I get from my family is bad eyesight. 
Well, I don't wear them doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to. My bad. <laughs> I, I I can attest. My bad eyesight is my own. I've had, I've I've had two inch pieces of steel stuck in my eye more times than I'd like to admit. Oh, yeah. It it comes with the trade. Yeah, but you know, I've heard. I've had my doc, my eye doctors tell me that uh, that the only part of the human body that is a hundred percent regenerative is the eye. Yeah, that, your, the, of your eye. For every person, that's the truth. There, there. If you have some genes, I will say this: if you do have some genes, which I don't have, cartilage is replaceable. Unfortunately, I'm one of those few that. I don't have regenerative cartilage, and my cartilage eats itself alive, so I'm kind of double screwed. Yeah. But you'll yeah. have a great, great looking hair. I have great looking hair, and I have the double edged plus for me that both of my eyes are different colors, and they both change color depending on the season and how much sunlight I've been on. Wow. I can go from. All the way black to sky blue. Got the magic things. What's going on? It is absolutely crazy. I've That's got to be scary. Somebody to see you and your eyes be black. Oh my! My girlfriend freaked out the first time because I was wearing my aviators, and I took them off, and we were in the sun, and she looked at me, and I had one eye almost completely black, and the other one was. As bright blue as you can get. That's crazy. And she was like, I've looked at your eyes last night and they were both hazel green. I was like, yeah, that's just how it is. That's cool. That's super cool. But you'll see it. So you'll see it at Hangout. It, 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 if you look at my eyes, like it's going to throw you in a fucking blender. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So. Quick question, and, and uh, I, I want to go to Bay's first, and then I'll go to 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 you, Logan. Right. Looking at at you know, uh, Horns is famous for his way too early prediction article, which I lived to, to get to read because you know he he does he does like to stir the pot with a couple of programs that are that are in the league. But James, based off of if you didn't look at what you know, there's no national champion rosters and and recruiting. Who who would you say is going to be? Because we we always have those couple of teams that drop down and a couple of teams that just catch you by surprise. You're way too early based off of recruiting. Who do you think is that one team out there that that could really catch a lot of teams by surprise? I mean. If you want to go way too early, like top team, it's going to be very biased, but it's still going to be Florida State. You know, I helped build that team. I know the talent that was already there. And when you look at bringing in the seven, eight elite players, you know, it, it's hard to see a team making a, a step backwards after bringing in that class. Um, but as far as shocking people, it's going to be, for me, it's Iowa. If you look at their class, they have one five-star, eight elites committed, signed, done deal. They still got spot for one more person. 
uh, in this next signing period. And, you know, who knows who that's going to be? Is it going to be, you know, another elite that they're going to add into that, to that uh, rotation that they got going in there? Logan, what do you think? You know, it's a weird thing for me because there's a lot of teams that I could say based off who they're bringing in is who it's going to be. But I'm going to do, and I know we're talking about recruiting, but I think it's going to be a combination of fixing something that me and you know about, Tom, on top of who they brought in. And I'm going to say it's Ohio State. I think they brought in exactly who they needed, and we've talked to Jeff, and as a cumulative effort, we fixed the problem that was having that, you know, it's not his own fault. It was something that he just didn't quite understand. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to be a a bloodbath to play against, especially in a weakened Big Ten. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you look at, you know, I mean, I said it all season long, there is a magic formula to beat Wisconsin. You guys did exactly what I said, and you did it to AT of how to beat with beat Wisconsin. And Jeff knows that because he's talked to me, and we've had the conversation about it, and he's just added on to the weapons that he needed to do it, and... I would not be surprised if Ohio State finishes number one in that conference. That's that's a that that I would agree with you on that. And uh, I brought up the point that you know Jeff's been just really, really way too quiet. And I know he's got some stuff in his personal life with his his job and stuff that he's had to work on, but he's just been too quiet. It's like something's up. He's 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 put he he you know there were there. Were, people helping him figure some stuff out and he you're right he added some pieces that were just amazing where he needed to add them and he's going to put a different approach on it that i think it's not going to surprise some people but it's going to surprise a lot of people that just only go look at what they did last year um you know, I, I have to talk about three schools for me, and, and one of them's not because he's on this podcast. It's it's uh, and that's you. That's you, Logan, because I know what you really have been working on and looking at. You know, I I I, I bring it up all the time that Bay's in there, and 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 GSP used to give me so much shit for talking to other ads and, and trying to work with them on different things and. And but you and I have talked a lot, and I'm you know that's the joke is Tennessee last year, and they were a lot better than people gave them credit for, and I think that and I and we I think in a weekend SEC, um, that that Tennessee is going to be that team that's going to be right up there with the Florida and the Alabama and and the Kentucky. And that's not to knock Clemson or anyone else in that conference, but it's I, that you, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not going to say, I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee pulled a Michigan from last season. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you, yeah. get, you know, it just wouldn't surprise me. Um, uh, the other team in is 
is going to be, and, and I, and I want to talk so much about Bayes because Bayes of what Bayes does um, did for me, I say does, but did for me and him and I get to talk a lot and him and Aaron talk a lot still. And, and, uh, and so I know what they're bringing to the table next season, but um, another AD that's really quiet, he's, he, he comes on this podcast and, and he doesn't talk much and I joke that he's just sitting there taking notes. That's all he's doing is taking notes. And, uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, West Virginia. And I think, you know, they're going to be alone with Michigan. Those two teams that are going to give the so-called front runners of Florida state and Notre Dame, cause you know, a lot of fits in, in those late hours of making sure you got your game plan, right. Um, you know, he didn't have to go out and make this big elite splashes. He had guys already on his roster and 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 guys that I went and, and was recruiting and that, that are on that, that team um, that he landed in. We know their names in the league and he it's going to be, you know, West Virginia, I think, is going to be that team that is going to get a quick jump up. Um. And 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 go and and be that team that's that's being talked about as hey are they going to be one of the wild card teams that come in, um you know, and then we go to Pitt. Yeah, I mean Pitt is just what base has done already is absolutely amazing, and I don't think he gets enough credit so far with league chat as to what he's building so far with that program coming straight in as an expansion. Yeah, and he get he brings in that and I, it's biased for me because he he came from my staff, but I know the work ethic that's going to be on that team and it's it's you know, it's not just him and GSP, it's you know, you, you you, you got to go look at the guys he brought in to help him coach. And, uh, you know, Rusty Films is no slouch and don't think he doesn't have something to prove to some people. And they're going to put the work in and, um, and, and really go at guys. And, and you're going to have to have your game plan set pretty good. And, uh, when you go up against him, because he will, he will. He, James already knows. I've got to play to what works for us, and 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 try to make other teams do what we want them to do, versus him going out and say, "Okay, here's where we're weak, and we're just going to try to cover our weaknesses up." He's going to try to make teams play to his strengths, and and that's going to make them, you know, a really scary team, and uh, you know, a conference you know, kind of transitioning out of this uh, and just talking about conferences and you talking about, you know, me saying the SEC, I think it's, I always, but that's the joke. The SEC is down. The SEC is down. It's just, you know, it's not down. It's just a really highly competitive league. But losing two teams like, you know, Miami and Clemson um, and losing Florida State does open the door for some other programs. Um, but the the conference, I think that's going to be the bloodbath, and and that's not knocking LSU coming in, 
LSU, I think, was an outlier last year. They, they, you know, that was some some learning curves, um, and they they reloaded. They, you know, they're going to be in there set, showing their dance moves that they're going to they're make noise in the SEC. But I think the bloodbath is coming in the Big Twelve because Oklahoma put some some major talent on that roster, and Texas is going to be there, and so is. You know, okay, state, and I mean, Boise slid into that conference, if I'm not correct, and uh, it's it's going that's going to be the conference where you could see like the SEC used to be, where a team is five and three and walks away winning the conference. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I think one team that we really don't talk about enough, and a lot of people kind of start to overlook and it may be a little bit of my fault because I have such a bias against them is oh you oh yeah and you know the fact that from what it's looking like they're on par to be the powerhouse and take over that from Texas because I mean to be honest you know I know Wookie said that Texas retooled and filled depth and everything. I'm looking at Texas's income versus what they lost, and then looking at OU's income versus what they lost. And yep. Texas isn't that impressive compared to OU or Oklahoma State. No, and yeah, that's yeah. not a knock against. That's not a knock against Juby. He can go tell you how many times have I been in the playoffs, how many times have I played in the national championship game. So until somebody comes and shows me they're they're gonna do it, I'd be I'd be I'd be Juby standing on my chair saying, you know, don't don't think don't go ahead and cut us out, but but I'm on the same argument side as you in man, Oklahoma had a team that was a couple of turnovers away from playing the national championship game against us. And they added some pieces, and uh, and you know DT Hall's one of those guys like like uh, Houston that it's the mad scientist thing that they're they're constantly trying to find something to to, to catch the other team off guard, something they're not expecting. And uh, I think OU, you know, um, has got something special special going. Yeah, 100%, and I'm really impressed with it, no matter what DT ends up running. I mean, I know we all make jokes about it, but I think that's still a playoff contention team, no matter what playbook he runs. I don't think there's a bad playbook that's going to keep him out of it. Yeah, and that's the thing about, you know, him and, and, and Houston both, they're not scared to try something that, and, and clutch to a point, too, with Boise. They're not scared to try something just because somebody says, it. you know, it's not going to work. They, they wouldn't be trying it if they didn't think they could make it successful. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think you know this, uh, especially Tom knows this. Base may not quite yet because he doesn't have the time to talk to me like you do. We talk about different subjects. But, I mean, Tom knows. Uh, I'm very experimentative. 
and yeah, my yeah. offense, even though I know I have a, something that's very good, and usually people are like, hey, if it's good, don't break it. I'm always striving for that next level. Yeah, and, you know. 100%. You, 100%. And it's it's really cool. I, and I like it. I get, I you know, we always talk about, you know, teaching and teaching and teaching. And I want Florida State to be known as a teaching school. But I'm trying to learn something different just as much as I'm trying to teach somebody. And, you know, you and I talk and me and DT talk. And I don't get to talk to uh, – okay state aka houston as much as i want to because he's he's helping other people so much and uh but you know i talked to wookie and and other guys too and it's just um it's cool to see somebody say hey you know i'm looking at this and can you check this out and see if you're seeing the same thing and and then you look at it and say oh yeah yeah you are look at it this way and 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 then you get to talk to him a day or two later and say, "Oh, you're never gonna believe what what just happened." And it, it's it's cool because you will move things that most people won't think to go move. Yeah, and I think one of the most amazing things about what we were talking about just last night, and especially this morning, is when you. It's not giving anything up, but when you first called me, you said, "Hey, what are you seeing?" And I didn't go into stats. I didn't go into this. I didn't go into that. The first thing we talked about was formations. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what I want to run. This is what I'm seeing. And this is exactly what I want. And you immediately clicked and you're like, yeah, I get exactly why you want those. And I didn't even talk about my favorite plays. I just told you, hey, this is what I'm seeing. These are the forms. And then next thing you know, Tom's like, hey, look at this. This is similar, but it tweaks it just enough. And it was beautiful to me because as soon as I – I didn't even have to run a half on it. I ran two downs of offense. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Then it added an element that I didn't even think of. Hmm. And that's what makes it cool, and and uh, and that's that that's that beautiful saying that Mike uses. You know, as the 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 ocean rises, the ship rises, and the fact that you know you you we've got some ads that don't want to. You know, they do their thing, and that's their thing, and that's okay. But we have so many guys that pick each other's brains and are willing to go tell somebody how to improve something. Just try this and see what you see. And man, when that light goes off, I mean, I've I've been there, Logan. You were there today. It's like, holy cow, really? Yeah. Wow. There it is. I and forgot a whole formation that I loved, just because it was in the back of my brain. And you mm -hmm. picked it up without even knowing that I was going to like it, and it was exactly what yep. I wanted, and it popped and, up and perfectly. And there's a you know. I'm gonna bring somebody up because he's near and dear to my heart, and he gets a he he gets he gets, I guess a bad rap sometimes because, hey, he's that he's that uh that straight up mentality that, that I think you and I both breathe of the competitiveness and and hating to lose, just absolutely hating to lose. And oh my God, I'm so happy Steven's in here. <laughs> well, that, 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 
that killed it. I was going to slowly segue into it, and he had everything set up to do the slow segue, but Tom, Tom, Tom ruined the surprise. We've, we've got one of the guys that possibly I like the most in the league. Uh, we're, we're kind of kindred spirits, even though we butt heads every now and then. We've got Stevens, the AD of the fighting. Is it Illini? Illini? Illini. Is it Illini? Okay. Uh, he's, that's my, I, me and Steven talk too. And I mean, we just on the, I'm at, I was, at, I was sneaking off into another room at work the other day just so I could, t- so him and I could talk. And uh, so it's cool to see him here, man. It's awesome. So, uh, was he were you, Steven? So you haven't been able to listen, have you? Not yet. All right. Well, uh, I mean, Logan, you can segue into telling him what we're kind of talking about because he's he's got a lot to say on something like that too. Yeah. So uh, what we we're going through was uh, talking about just the how good it is for ads to collaborate and bounce ideas off each other and get into that experimental mindset. Oh yeah, um, that's huge. If it if it wasn't for actually talking to um, Grin and talking with Tom, talking with Horns, um, Wookie, just bouncing ideas off different guys the past two seasons, and then like uh, Tom was saying, actually this year I've I've talked a lot with him and uh, Horns, and that has made a huge difference just in how my off season went. It's major. It's massive, and it's you know we talk about it. Uh, the three of us in Bays too um, about dude. If you've got something to ask, or if you've got an idea, tell you know share it. And and it, it's you know it's so refreshing to be able to do that and not worry about you, you know the consequences of oh shit. Am I, am I going to tell him something that might beat me down the road? Um, because he, you want it to be that competitive you want it because when we talk about it we we bounce these ideas and it's like okay he know he knows you know you know steven or logan or horns or somebody they, i remember them telling me this and what i've got to look out for that so i gotta now go look at something here that if i've got to change to make it if they do this and and it makes it fun because and dt's the worst about he He'll, I don't, I, if he doesn't have ulcers, I don't know how he doesn't because he, he's always thinking of what ifs. Yeah. And over the, he'll have something that he and he knows it works. And he's like, oh, you know what? Right. And then he goes back to brainstorming. So it's cool to get to talk to each other, you know. Um, I share my cell phone a lot because it's easier for me sometimes than being able to get into Discord. But it's it's cool to get on the phone with me. You know, lately, I've been talking to Stephen and, and and Logan a lot, and it's cool to get on the phone and be able to talk about things and you know ask a question. Hey, is this you know what happens if this happens, or you know what do you think? And oh, don't worry about it. If it, if it happens, we'll figure it out. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's very few people that you know as soon as their numbers right here i'm like okay i gotta save that real quick and tom's one of those people that as soon as he said hey call me and send his number i was like yeah okay saved it then i call him 
because I know it's going to be one of those things that I didn't talk to Tom. I stole the ideas that he gave me through Discord for recruiting. And I'm one of those guys that I'm very stubborn. And when I get to my game planning, it's me or the highway. I've got to, I've got to figure it out on my own. And I've got to walk through the shadows to be able to crawl by myself. And I've instilled that into Tiny at least a little bit by making by just telling him the bare bones hey i want you to test this and i'm giving the bare bones of it i'm not telling him anything else and he's done wonders with it and i'll give him props on it but now i'm like feeding him more info and i'm like hey and i'm slowly leading him into the deal of hey start on your own figure out a foundation then bounce the ideas it works out better if yeah. you and it gives you that dopamine that makes you feel better about it when you figure something out and then you talk to somebody about it. because if you just go straight to it and ask everybody else it's not going to feel as good and you're not going to learn as much yep yeah, and you know the guy that really helped me learn that uh, and gave me that that feeling was was Pac. You know, way back when I was first, you know, when I first became an AD, um, I call him. I still talk to him, but I call him, and he's like, "Well, I, I can't." I, he knew, you know, you could hear him turning the pages on his notebooks, and he's one of the guys that really got me into the notebook thing. Um, and but he, he's like, "Well, I can't tell you what." how to fix it but why don't go just start right here and work your way this way yeah and see what you you got to work through the process because that's the only way you really learn yeah. as brock yeah. hoskins just ran a touchdown on me for 79 yards oh shoot <laughs> yeah. uh, actually if i can jump in on that one that's that's actually a great point that with tom that was something he he uh, me and him had some conversations about some of the formations I was considering for defense this year, and uh, one of my had I had pitched. He's like, yeah, you know that's a that's a really good one you could run with what you have, uh, and I you know just I recommend starting here in the middle and just slowly work your way in directions, and you're gonna find a pretty good feel for it. And uh, just in a couple of days of running it, I think we have found a really good groove. And you're, you're right when you kind of like, it's nice to get a little advice to point you in the right direction. But then whenever you work through that, it feels real good to, to, to learn because you found out what didn't work and what does work. And it kind of helps with everything else as well. Oh, a hundred percent. And, uh, I'll, I'll fill Stevenson on this because we talked about it and I kind of want to get his idea on this sort of thing. But I, I kind of have a, good idea of what he's going to say, but uh, me and Tom talked all last night and then we got on the phone and talked about something and I pitched an idea off of him. He's like, okay, I'll call you in tomorrow once I've ran a couple and see what I think about it. And then in the morning, he called me and we started talking about it and we were kind of on the same mind wave right off the get-go, that what I was looking for, not what 
I don't want to say every AD, but traditional ADs aren't going to look for what I'm looking for in that sort of scenario. And he bounced an idea off of me, and it worked. And that's why I want to kind of get instilled in the mind of these younger guys that are looking to become ADs is you may not have the right answer, but you got goddamn close enough that when you bounce that idea off, somebody else is going to be able to feel that 10%, 15%, 20% that you were just barely missing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah I mean, that's... That's it. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's spot on. That's that's exactly it. And you can't get much better than that is having this group of guys that are you know becoming so close together that you're able to do that. And you know, we say yeah. all the time about how 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 strong this group of ADs are. And it's becoming absolutely unreal. Really how strong they are because, you know, there's, you know, you got these group of players that are all super close to each other. Well, now you've got these groups of ADs that are becoming super close together. And it's just the top guys and the bottom guys and the guys that are on that brink of greatness. And they're all just coming together and meshing and talking. And yeah, it's going to be unreal like two, three and, seasons. Yeah, and that's what and what's cool about it is, you know, we we everybody always we all three of us are in a boardroom together and we get to, and but it's always talking about build a coaching staff, build a coaching staff. And it's like it's super cool because this is the first recruiting portal I've been in that you've had so many guys bring up, hey, I'd like to, I want to be a coach and I want to learn to coach. And you can say, well, I, you know, Stevens has got his look, you know, he, he does these things and you, you know, go, you can learn, you know, if this is what you're wanting to learn off of him or, you know, um, or Logan likes to, you know, kind of tweak things differently. And you don't tell him exactly what it is, but you tell, you know, and Dobbins did, Alabama's done a really good job with that that coaching nucleus, and you know, OK State is it's it's a testament to him when this is a guy that doesn't protect any of his coaches because he thinks they're never they're never going to leave me because we're so tight and we work on this stuff together, and to see these these other ads come and take you know their coach his coaches and I was one of them and I mean and I, I took a guy that was just. A recruiting one, I brought him in as a recruiting coordinator, and it's like, then this guy's just like on fire. And and it's cool to see the you know, these younger ADs, as I had brought up earlier, um, which Steve and you and, and Logan are part of, to just see them so far ahead. But then you go back and look, okay, they were on, they, they wanted to learn this stuff. So when they were on other staffs, they were asking those questions and they were trying this stuff. And they weren't afraid to reach out to somebody. And now they, they're getting guys, like Logan, you said, with, with, with Tiny, they're getting guys on their staff 
that are going to be learning and picking up. And it's, I just, I only see the league in an 80 sense getting better. Oh, a hundred, hundred percent. I mean, I think we'd look at, you know, who's, you know, I could pull up the sheet right now and look, uh, you know, we'd look at the coaching staffs right now and, you know, you start at the top and, Grin, you've got Ike, who's probably going to be ready for AD next season, if we're being honest. And then, you know, Miami's got one accord, who's right up there. Rev's already been in AD at Notre Dame, and he's just, you know, it's just a time thing. And then move over to base, and if GSP wants to become an AD, it's not that, it's not that far-fetched for GSP to become an AD. And that's just the ACC alone. You go to the Big Ten, and Coop, who I've talked to about OFTP, he's very knowledgeable. Tyree's going to be an AD. Platypus is going to be an AD. Uh, you know, Reno's not that far off from Michigan. Uh, Assured is right up there with Ike at being one of the closest to an AD. D. Jones is close to an AD up there. Uh, then you move to Big 12, and it's not that far-fetched for Zaza or Mark to get an AD spot. And then you go to ACC, and, you know, you got Pack, who's, we're just waiting on Pack to get back. And then Allen could be an AD anytime he wants. So you got two ADs that are AD ready, ready to go. Just depends on the timing right then and there at Auburn. Uh, Florida, you've got Fozzie and Gavino, who if they wanted to step up to an AD, they're one, two seasons away. Pocket Chef is ready to be an AD. Cy Rock is really close to being there, like Tiny is. And if Potter was able to get, you know, the simming down, he could be an AD. I mean, Ro Rocky, even. It's just unreal if you look at all the coat all the coaches that are on the teams right now, how close we have to ADs. Yeah. Uh, I, I know with mine personally, one thing that uh, I was really excited about was we had an awesome recruiting class this year. And it's, you know, Alan likes to make fun of me in the, the chat, which I, I completely get it, where I was saying all those years at Clemson, like, oh, if I just had some help, if I just had a little help, we could really bring in a class. And I mean, this year it happened. And it was the first year here. But the biggest thing that made that possible was, um, you know, Cruden was a heck of a recruiter. Uh, he did a fantastic job this offseason. And he, he's coming from Florida and had some experience learning there. Um, I know he's wanting to learn some from me, and he's wanting to move up. And what really shocked me is uh, BT7790, Brian, that guy – is an absolute monster in recruiting. So if he starts getting the simming down and he gets like, he, he already has half of it down pat easy to where he could be someone that could eventually step up and be an AD. Yeah. I mean, I went after Coop just, and you know, most of it was the OOTP. Uh, we played each other in the world series and I, I really like the kid. He's an awesome person. 
it whenever yeah. you just get down talking to them. Uh, I think your biggest thing with Illinois was getting out of that. And a lot of ADs, it's better to sell the history than the current. Yeah. I think that's opposite for you. You need to get out of the shadow <laughs> of the history and get into the opportunity of the current. But but what's cool about with Steven, and him and I talked about this uh, Thursday, is his, his he's got a magazine. And it's amazing. And but he brought the history um and traditions um into that. And it's something that he blended in with his recruiting that was just like, okay, uh, can you share that with me? That's something I think I might want to do to be able to use. And I, and and that that's that's that that's just an amazing thing in the recruiting thing when you've got you're walking in there and you're you're pitching and recruiting and I'm sure he, he'll be the first to tell you it helped. And oh yeah. There, this up and it's like traditions, you know, players that are on the current roster. He's got a section that's blank that you're pitching a recruit. Hey, you're going to become part of this history and your name's going to be on this page yep. and you're going to help make these records. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and that, that's part of, you know, this recruiting and it is a game, you know, that's the only part of it that you think of. It's a it's it's so amazing because it, it's a different level that that people don't think of. I you know I I I do some different things that I know a, a few ads are doing now, and I'm sure Bayes does it because he learned it from me. Whereas it's not just getting on a phone call with recruits, but it's taking time to send them personalized videos. My videos because of the recruiting that that took place with me are our real life like hey we're on the recruiting trail I'm at the airport I'm in between flights I just wanted to take the time to to reach out to you and and I've had guys that have come to me Aaron Ike perfect example already gave a verbal to another school and it's literally the day before you can commit and I'm like I I like this guy I'm really going to go after him and and what flipped him to Florida State was a minute twenty second video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can attest to that. I mean, what got me to my college was, you know, he took the time out and he sat there with me after a game, knowing I was tired and just completely out of it, and didn't give me the whole recruiting sp spiel. He was like, hey, how are you feeling? What do you feel that you could have done better? What do you feel that your strong points are? And his whole deal off the get-go was, hey, I can help you improve on this because this is what I did in my professional career. This is what I was good at. That's what you're lacking at. I don't want to be your coach. I want to be your friend that helps you grow. And it may be because he was a younger coach and it was a different deal. But that's kind of what I try to instill with my guys is, hey, I'm selling you. This is what I did. This is what I know how to do. I can help you hit that next level with what I know. And we're going to have success along the way. And it's just a different thing, you know, and 
you know, a lot of these D1 programs, and I know it when I was recruited by Tulsa back in the day, it was selling on the history. It was selling on what they've done, what they're doing in the present. It was never, hey, this is where I can help you grow here. And that's what I like to see. And, you know, tatted in me when we when he recruited me it was more of a personal connection but that's what i think you know a lot of these recruits need to look at is you need to form that personal connection with your ad because that just makes it so much better of an experience is having that personal connection yeah it does and that's that's definitely one of the biggest things is when you're recruiting is also uh, selling yourself and uh, having just a real conversation with people because like you said there there's a part of it that's just the recruiting side but then there's okay you've been recruited you're in a locker room you know how are we going to vibe together how how's the conversations going to go how do we bounce back after a loss or how do we celebrate a win things like that there's more to it than just selling someone hey you should come to my school and this is why yeah. um and that's something i i would say for anyone else that was coming into it, you know, just to remember there's that side of it other than just selling why they should play at your school. Yeah. And I don't know how it is for Tom because obviously he played at a lot bigger program than I did, but I still text my, co my college coach all the time. He's always asking how I'm doing and everything. And I always ask how he's doing. He's up in uh, Utah or Wyoming now coaching at a different college. And he still takes the time every now and then to ask me, hey, how are you doing? Even though I left him kind of abruptly, just said, hey, dude, look, I'm tired of this. I, I got to go home. And it was kind of a weird situation when I left, but, you know, he's, we talk every couple of months on text or Facebook, and he's just checking in, and he's like, hey, man. How you doing? You liking it? Are you doing all right? You doing good? And he's asking like specific questions to me. He's like, how's your knee? How's your back? How's these problems that I realized you were having when I was your coach back in the day? That's pretty cool. I think Tom's lost a little bit of cell service. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he uh, may have. Yeah, he was already going in and out, but it's a really cool thing. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of these guys, and I think, you know, Stevens, you can attest, you know, we, we, we grow these bonds with guys that don't even come to our schools. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there was actually this season alone, uh, this offseason, I had some absolutely amazing conversations with some guys that, I mean, if you had asked me that day, and, you know, three, four days afterwards, just on the conversations, if they were going to sign with me, I would have told you yes. And they end up going somewhere else. And, and you know, and you get that same comment. They're like, hey, man, you know, I hope I really hope we can keep talking this and that. Like, I really enjoy to speak when you're like, hey, I get it. You got to still do what's right for you. But you do. You, you, you create these bonds and you get to know these guys. And I and for me, that's another part of this that makes this whole league that much better is getting to know everyone and getting to know other ADs and players. It becomes like a big extended family, even if they're not on your team. Yeah, I mean, the big one for me is, you know, Samuel Eistray. Me and him talk daily, and him not 
coming to Tennessee, it doesn't doesn't change that. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got I've got a couple of guys that are that way that you know, I just just off a relationship alone kind of like Steven thought for sure there's no way they're not coming here. And and one of them, well, actually both of them because it's different times of the day. But I still, they they both were like, well, I hope we still get to talk as much as we were talking. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I, and, you know, I, I still check in with them and talk to them. And, and I'm talking to one of them right now, even though he didn't come to our program. And uh, it, it's amazing. And, you know, you, you brought up, you know, your previous coaches and it's something you learn. I've got two coaches I talk to a lot um, still today in um, – the program I, I got recruited to go to and went to for a little bit, it, it's a, just a different error, and you were just a number. Unless you were like a blue chip, you were just a number. They didn't give a shit. Once you couldn't help them, they, they cared less about you, and uh, and your scholarship was gone. But I have a coach that um, I still talk to all the time, and, and he uh, – he not his his son is um all American wrestler, um collegiate wrestler, and he was he was an, an amazing wrestler was at Minnesota when he was in college and and even though he was my football coach, um he he talks to me all the time about all sorts of things and and then I've got another one that was uh, my coach at, at Texas State in rugby and uh and I played on some club teams with him also, and and he he checks on me all the time. And it's like like Logan was saying about injuries. It's like, well, how how's your how are your hands today? Because uh, that's the that's the biggest thing that hand, hands and hamstrings. Um, oh, hundred percent. And my knuckles are like not. You know, it's it's funny. I have. I have big hands and, but you can, but my knuckles are bigger are the one thing that I guess would stand out over anything because they're bigger. They're a little bigger, but cause you get stepped on so much. And, uh, but, but because he went through all that and he was such a, you know, he was one of those guys that in practice wasn't just telling you what to do. He was actually out there doing it with you and going through it because he did it beforehand and he still played afterwards, and it, it 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 is about a relationship, and you know that's some guys that are in on other teams have been in our locker room, and and Stephen hit on it, and Logan, you do, and it's it's talking to these and f- finding out about their lives, and I couldn't tell you how many uh, Zoom calls I've been on where Baze's son is right there on his lap or up on his shoulder, or you know. Um, you get to know the people who they are and, and it's, it builds an amazing relationship in the locker room and, and, and you figure out, you know, how to go approach somebody after a game because, you know, car, car is going to be a totally different animal after a game than, you know, uh, let's, than, than Bays would be or, you know, GSP would be or even Carr's daughter or, you know, someone like uh, Legend, you know, they all, or, or Younger, or Brown, everybody takes it differently, and 
you know, some of them are like, hey, it's a loss. Let's go on to the next one. Let's go. And then you've got guys that are highly, you know, they're pissed off and you've got to go talk to them about, look, here's what happened. And, and this is the difference. And, and, and wait, wait to see what we're going to tweak to get back to that. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I think one of my favorite things is I remember from my childhood. I say childhood. This was teenage years uh, before I got my back and my knee injury was uh, when I was being recruited by Tulsa and going to their camps. Uh, Mac Brown, not related to the Texas head coach, was the head coach there, and uh, they had been to the national championship like two years in a row, had been ranked top five like the past six or seven seasons. Super nice guy. Uh, I mean, I went into we were in Tulsa for a concert a couple of years ago, and I went into his uh shop, he had already retired from coaching, and he was behind the register just. You know, doing the face thing like you have to do when you're that noticeable and some sort of an athlete standpoint. And I was checking out and he looked at my credit card and he was like, I remember that name. And he looked at me and I was like, yeah, it's Logan. And he was like, how the hell have you been? And I was absolutely shocked for a D1 coach that recruited me when I was, you know, 14, 15. And then I got hurt. And it was kind of a, yeah, you're not going to be able to play at this level kind of thing. He he remembered me. And a couple of years ago, I had his assistant coach that took me on when I was at the camps going through them all. Uh, he played, he's the uh, assistant coach for Lazio in the Italian Serie A. He's one of their uh, youth assistant coaches. I had him send me a message a couple years ago, but outside of coaching staff, I never heard a word. The coaching staff that I've heard the most from was my actual college I went to. But even then, you know, seeing that level of guys interested in just how you're doing has changed the way that I I, I deal with my guys. I mean, Tyree, I reach out to him, even though he never signed to us. There's a lot of guys that, you know, never signed here at Tennessee that I still talk to quite a bit. Or when I was at Iowa. Uh, I mean, I, I landed Big Worm this offseason, and that's my boy. And he turned me down two years in a row. And... You know, it's one of those things. I tell guys, hey, you're not going to come here. That's cool. I'm still going to talk to you. You're still my boy. So, um, Stephen's being a little quiet, but I, I just, so some people, if you want to really watch an amazing video, and uh, and I, I know you guys know who, who, who Gaza is, and um uh, I'm going to, I always slaughter his real name. It's John uh, Gascon. Yeah. But there's a video out um, where he's sitting in the bleachers and his, you know, he's in clothes and his coach when he was younger, and I get goosebumps thinking about it. And he's sitting there and this guy says something to him. 
calls his name, right? And he turns around, and it's his coach that is old, old man, and he thought he was dead. He thought he had died, like, years before. And the emotion, and this is a guy that was his coach when he was very young, his emotion to see he was still alive, and the tears, and... And um, it's just a, it's a moving video, but it's just a tribute to, you know, the relationships you get um, with your players and, uh, and, and what, what coaches, cause they're, they're, you know, in essence, an extension of your, your father, when you, when you go off to college and, and I know we're probably getting too real for, you know, the league, but we, I have some relationships with guys in this league and one of them was on my team and got booted. And and Alan, you know, everybody gives Alan such a shit time because uh, he's he is not just the heel. He is the uh, he is the uh, shade mess with you, Jack with you in league chat. But he takes it right back. Yep. In inside, but has just this amazing amazing heart. And we, a young kid that, uh, you know, he's a, he's in high school at the time, and he's he's a sophomore, and he's on varsity, very good athlete. Both of his uncles, one was playing at Auburn, and the other one was playing at South Carolina, at, at and were names like people knew who they were, and he just got a little heated in a Twitch chat and got booted, and it took him four seasons to get to come back. But um, three seasons to get to come back. But me and Alan, more than that, because it was it was like a year, two year process. Because it, it, me and Alan would talk to him all the time, and and just you know don't even put in you know the application right now. You just need to be part of of Twitch and and be good in there. And uh, and this is a kid that's now a senior in high school and and has a very good name. Plays for a very prestigious. Um, California football program that spits out collegiate players. And he's, he's, he is now, you know, I get to have a, have a conversation with him um, about which two schools he's going to decide to go play football at. Um, this was probably about six months ago, but it's just, you know, we take on, especially with the young guys we have in this league, we build those relationships with them. And oh, yeah. you, when they come and go to other programs, you're still, you know, talking to him. And, and this kid, when he'll, because he's in California, will text me, message me, and DM sometimes, hey, coach. And I'm like, man, that's cool. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just somebody that generally cares about you and wants to talk to you. Yeah. You're just and, doing assembly. You're not his actual coach. No, but it's, it's, you, and, and it's getting to those relationships, I guess, is where I'm trying to come full circle on. It's, oh, 100%. You know, you, you've got people that hit you up at the weirdest times of night, and uh, and they just want someone to vent on about shit that's going on. And, and I'm and getting to the Alan part, because Alan's even more of a figure to this guy that he's, you know, there's some, he's had a really shitty life, and if there wasn't someone like Alan that would sit there and talk to him and let him vent, knowing he's not getting any benefit out of it other than just being there for this kid, he probably goes in a total opposite direction. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, I've got guy or halfback Richie. You know, I was trying to talk him into coming back to Tennessee, which he ended up doing. But you know, we were talking. He was going to an unofficial visit to K State. Come to find out, he's got you know he's going into his sophomore year. Dude's gonna be one of the top tight ends coming out of high school. And it's one of those things I tell everybody, you know, talk to your guys. Really try to understand them because those personal relationships you're going to build with your guys are going to carry you for those four years. Because if you just try to sit back and do the AD thing and not talk to your guys, you're going to end up hating your what you're doing more often than not. The stress is going to get to you, but having those personal relationships with your guys that you can kind of relate to, it helps out 100% with the ins and outs. Yeah, I was actually going to hop on real fast and tell you that I agree with what you were saying. And I'm sorry if I'm cutting it out quiet, but we're out at the lake right now and they're setting off all their fireworks. So that's why I keep muting it and waiting for opportunities to say something. Oh yeah. I've had, I've had them completely going off in my house. <laughs> I'm just lucky. My, the one wall that's right next to my microphone is very soundproof. <laughs> well, I had a, a room inside that was pretty much soundproof. And then my wife came in with four screaming kids because they're tired, so I had to come outside. Oh, it's understandable, man. No worries about it. Uh, there's another thing I want to ask you about. How do you feel that your recruiting has gone so far? Uh, this season, is, it, is, it has gone fantastic. Um, uh, there, was, there was a couple heartbreaks, but, uh, you know, we lost one, one elite wide receiver that I feel like had he – had he came to Illinois, this team overall as a whole group would be better than any team I ever had at Clemson. And that's including that we had Salmons there. So mm-hmm. I feel like we have a really, really good team. Um, we just we just struck out on a couple pieces that would have really taken it over the top. Other than that, it's it's been really good. I mean, that's just kind of that, you know, that first season, woes and bows. Yeah, I, I that's that's the part. I actually, I kind of had some reservations that the first first year might be a little more difficult, um, but getting some good coaches in here to help me, and like I said, I can't s- s- preach enough how amazing they have been in recruiting with me. That we we got in a really really good team. Like I know we're going to be able to compete with anyone. Uh, where where. We could have our first year woes is, you know, that depth when you're getting into the second half of a game and guys are getting worn down and tired. That that could be where where we get hurt a little. But other than that, I'm really excited for the year. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing to, you know, look forward to is uh, that's one thing I built on last season was, hey, look at our first half. This is what I did with what I had in the first half. And it's above and beyond what anybody would have expected from what we had. 
and I just need you to be able to go into that depth for the second half to be able to keep us at that same level that we had. And I think that's kind of the same thing that you're going to have to kind of sell coming into the next season. You, the one I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna toot both your horns and uh, and and I would do it for a couple other guys that if they were on this podcast. You both go and look at rosters and know without a out, and it is a mindset you have to have. We're going to Columbus. We are at the end of the season. We're going to be right there. And I, you know, Logan, looking at you, you and Stevens recruiting club. And you, Logan, because you had, you know, some, a lot of talent on your offensive roster come back from last year. Remarkable, he's done with his recruiting. His kids are one hundred percent of the mindset. We're going to be, successful. and and that carries over into recruiting. Because even the best text the messages, sorry about that, best text messages, you guys do when guys are reading stuff, what the vibe is. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you've got to build up and around things. And I think it's a weird balance to kind of get of, what you're trying to get towards and what you need to end up being at. And it's a hard, it, it, it's really a hard balancing act. And, you know, guys like you, Tom, that are able to season in, season out, do that. And then you look at guys like Stevens here who took what he learned at Clemson and start over with a blank state and make it a completely different situation. It it really is a testament to how strong you are as an AD because I'm one of the first people that's going to admit to everybody, recruiting is my weak spot. I can game plan as good as I want, but as much of a people person as I am, I'm not a people person and a sales person like you are, Tom. And, you know, I really want to, I really want people to realize how amazing it is at what Stevens has done with a completely blank slate. And I throw it back to what I said earlier that I think it was he needed to get out of that history and he needed to get into that blank slate mindset. Yeah, and one of the things that helped with that going into the blank slate, uh, kind of feeling like I had a little bit of a the that history of Clemson because it did have some great history um, off my back and being able to just forge my own path, but was also coming in with the experience because we have some of these new ADs that came in this year, and I know some of them had some struggles and didn't quite completely jump out a couple of them that they how they thought they would start immediately which we haven't even got to the season yet so there's plenty of time to still do things but um but you guys both have talked about this just since i've uh, been here that how how strong this ad group is and how much better it can continue to be i remember whenever i first started 
I was like, oh man, I know how to game plan. I'm, I play the crap out of this. I love it. Oh, I can recruit. I can talk to people. But it took me a couple seasons in to actually start figuring out just how hard and detailed and above the top other ADs are doing during recruiting, how much game planning they're doing. Um, so it takes a lot uh, to really step in and learn and compete really well with some of the higher higher end 80s that have been doing successful like Tom every single year. Uh, but especially when you're taking over a new school as a new AD, I feel like I had some experience. And then I got two amazing coaches to come in and help me recruit. So I appreciate it, but I got to give my, my staff a lot of credit for the, the recruiting class we had. But some of these other 80s were coming in and taking over a new program with no recruits and then trying to fill out an entire roster. And while doing it, recruiting against guys like Tom. So that that was definitely uh, something that if they listen to this, I'd tell them, like, just be patient, reach out and talk to people. Um, but some of the guys, like, I know Bays, he, he seemed like I think he had a pretty good class. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. And I kind of want to wind it down, get into the last topic, which I don't think a lot of people... This is going to be a little yellow flagged, kind of exclusive almost. I want to just kind of throw a curveball in here since I have one of my last little solo hosting gigs. Um, we're going to start going into the game planning idea. I want to, I'm not going to talk about this, this isn't going to be in the description. So, if you've listened all the way through, congratulations. This is going to be your reward for the past four or five episodes listening through all the way to the end. If you want to be an AD, this is the time I would pull out that notebook. I would write everything down because I want to talk about going into game planning, understanding what you've got, and starting to build a team around it. Uh, I'm gonna give my opinion after, but Tom, what do you go into game planning with when you see a roster right off the get go and know what you have going into that season? What do you start looking for immediately? As far as playbooks or yeah, just bare bones playbook okay. right off the get go. What, how I can find my my strengths and manipulate them in a playbook. And this is something <clears throat> I'll go into with uh, you, Smitty, as an example, because Florida has always been just this amazing offense and he hit me up said I need to figure this defense out what do I need to do and I told him go find and forget about it and Mm -hmm. he kind of threw into the because what do you mean he goes you're and I told him I said you're going to be strong at those situations no matter what find out how exploit 
your weakest parts of your team, your strengths. So my strategy when I look at playbooks is how can I make this part of my team become the strongest part of my team? Um, and, and go about doing that. With that said, there are some, it's, um, it's so imperative of building a certain type of roster for the playbook you want to play. Um, the book I used last year, I wanted to use for two seasons for that, but I didn't have all the right person at every position. So I went and looked at books that worked for what I had. And Wisconsin does a job of that. They know they are a ground and pound, run it down your throat kind of um, team. They go and look for something that works for that team. And their identity has been their quarterback and running backs are going to run. Um, now, with dimensional, so, you know, look at your roster and, and, uh, and you've done an amazing job of saying, I'm going to throw the ball. This is my identity. I'm going to recruit to, for that identity for last season. Steven has, you know, he has Salmons and, and I got in an argument. I, I don't mind ever saying I don't, I got an argument with Wookie when he was talking about Salmons and I said, man, Salmons just in a whole new animal. But I, Stevens is a big reason for Salmons being the monster Salmons is. He put that player in a position and in a playbook that strengths what yeah. they it's, it, it, he, he, I'm not saying taking anything from Salmons because when it comes down to it, I've made it very clear there's only one other, two other running backs in this league that I put in the same name as Salmons. That's Ron Dane Jr., which 80% believe who he is, and Frost Carlson, which another probably 60% of the league doesn't know who he is. But those are those three running backs are the types of running backs that got stronger as games went on. Big part of it, the game plans that will, the playbooks that were put in to make them that type of back, and that's what makes Salmon so special. Um, it's Steven's game planning to go build a team that he can exploit his 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 feature, what he wants to do. And when you're looking at the roster and you're looking at playbooks, you've got to go find out what you have and what what you can do with it. And Carr is a perfect example of the prototypical pro-style quarterback, even though he cut a lot of his teeth with his legs and people don't realize how well he can run. Yeah. Um, it's having that guy, that recruit that works for you. And, and, and a lot of recruits, you know, they don't realize it that you're, I'm not for me personally, I'm not just recruiting you to be part of this family and to, um, go make myself so amazing. This is a hundred percent at Florida state, a team effort. If put the ego aside and, and car is a great example of a guy that everybody thinks he's just this big ego driven guy. He is team first, 100%. And I'm going to put a playbook in that is going to exploit everything I have on my roster. And when you get to the point that you can 
figure out the defense, figure out the offense, and you can go tell a recruit, I'm going to put you in the best position to playbook what it is, but yet to make you be able to be hard to defend when it's when it when it goes to you. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I want to keep on that. And Stevens, what do you look for when you're selecting yours? Um, I got to tell you, man, it's going to, it's actually very hard not to sound repetitive because Tom did an amazing job um, talking about that and what you're doing. And that's, that it was spot on. Uh, Whenever I'm looking at something like you, you can have an idea of what you would like to put together. Like I had an idea coming in with this uh, open roster that I could shape how I wanted. Yet, I mean, if you if you want to be uh, a pass-heavy team and you're going to run an air raid, but you have two, three-star wide receivers, but you have a Salmons, you're you're clearly not going to run the air raid. So you definitely have to take into uh, heavy consideration what talent you actually have and how you can maximize that talent. And he was spot on. It's uh, Salmons was absolutely a blast to have. It just it was so much fun to have such a great player that you could hand the ball to 30 times a game and he's just going to run over people. Uh, it, it made it easy. On the other hand, though, I had tried countless amount of books trying to find something, and um, I was actually talking with another AD, and I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I'm looking for. This is what I want to do, and I have this running back that I really think we unleash him on the league. He's going to be absolute hell for people. And it was another AD that told me, well, have you looked at the NIU book? I said, no, I actually haven't checked that one yet. I've checked like 17 of them similar, but I have not looked at that one. Let me take a look at it. And like he said, as good as Salmons was an absolute monster on, on his own, but whenever I went to that book, it absolutely changed just how dominant he became. It wasn't that he was bad in other books, but that NIU book really it just with the elevated him to we the had, next level. Yeah, it just it just took it to a whole nother stratosphere on how, how he could perform. So that that that's a really big deal is you know, find your team's identity and then and then and go with that. Don't try to be something you're not just because you like the idea of doing what someone else did. Um, you know, you really you do have to build with what you have. Yeah, I mean, what I really do in offense, it's quite a bit different than what a lot of guys, you know, typically do with the league. And what I do in offense is I have a game set. Hey, this is what is going to work 70-80%. And I kind of tailor around that. And then I experiment on the side and I try to find these weird little niche things. I've got certain formations, certain plays that I like and I prioritize formations over plays, obviously. But I have these formations that I know do good. I know they put the defense in a certain situation that I like them. I try to mitigate between I like having for run plays, I like having the safety super deep. 
and on the pass plays, I like having the safeties bunched up and then dropping in where they're only, you know, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. And that's why I try to look for whenever I'm picking an offensive playbook is which offensive playbook is going to put those safeties in that position that I like. I want them to push their cornerbacks up to the line in a press as often as I can get them in because that opens up the deep. I want them to pull their safeties into a deep, close bunch formation. That way it opens up the deep. And then when I'm running a run play, I don't care if you put your safeties all the way back and spread. I don't care as long as they're not close bunch. And your cornerbacks, I don't want them in backup, 10-yard, preserving the pass play. I want them to be aggressive. I want them on their blitzes. I want them up close, pressing. That opens up the inside tackle run. Uh, defense, mainly, it's a weird thing. Uh, and I think a lot of ADs don't do this. But the only thing that I look at on defense with my roster is linebackers. I base exactly what playbook I'm going to run on defense based on my linebackers. And then within those, I have certain settings that I want to run that I know do good based on that playbook. And I'll adjust them and I have a little bit of leeway in it with what team I'm playing, what their tendencies are, what personnel they have. But I think off a of defensive side only, it's linebackers are where you can say, hey, this is the playbook we're running, this is the playbook we're not running. And that's the only position on the field, unless you're only starting two cornerbacks. That that's the only position you need to look at when you're choosing a defensive playbook. How much uh how much can we share? Not specific settings. Not specific. If we're talking aggressive conservative. Uh yeah, in the general realm. So I was I was thinking about a tip that might help some new ADs on something I've noticed with defense on the aggression levels. Don't run as high as you think. Do what? They cut out. Don't run as high as you think. Right. That that's definitely one of the things is just uh being staying a little more neutral than what uh, a lot of people I talked to originally start out at. Yeah. And whatever you see a team running and you think you should dial it to, knock it about two or three notches. Yep. It's it's going to work out for the better. Just trust us that I've been through that. Yeah, that's something I wish I would have known my first year. Yeah, defense and offense are completely different. Uh, 
I'm going to throw a random number out here, and it's not something I run, but it's something that I think people need to look at. If you think an offense is running 70, run your defense at 55. Right, and and that's that's kind of what I was uh, not not necessarily like you said. I, it wasn't an exact number I use, but it, it's along those lines. Like the offense and defense are completely different. And my first year defense, you know, I, <laughs> like depending on the game, whatever one end I might be on a thirty-five on one end, yeah. depending on who I was playing and what I was trying to get them to do. And that was that first year, man. I was just having absolutely mixed results, and finally figured out like you you gotta you got to stay more within like a 10 point range. It's of, a of your sliding curve on defense is what I've noticed is it's not directly proportionate. It's a, almost a logarithmic curve on how it actually plays out. So if you're running a 70, 30 RP defense, you're defending the pass. 95% of the time. But if you're running like a 40 uh, a 55 defense, you're defending the pass 65 70% of the time. It's yeah. It's not what intuitively you would see like an offense, which an offense does have kind of that deviation curve also. But the defense, I feel like it's more uh volatile in how it adjusts. Yeah, and it can go, it can go bad very quick. Yeah, and I mean we 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 have the defensive guru of the league right here. He can attest a hundred percent to what me and Stevens are saying, right, Tom? Hundred percent. I I'll. Uh... Yeah, your defense dictate what. Not only the other team offense will do, but what your own offense will do, and that's the that's the part really trying and taking the time in the AI AI of the game. Um, it's to have an aggressive defense that you know leads the league in all these stats, but. It 100% does not negate how good your defense is not how uh, you can still be expected. And, uh, and I think a lot of these I'm going to go I, they, they can do whatever they want. I'm going to get my couple of turnovers uh-huh. and that's going to be in the game. And more times not you're going to be big plays that your two don't make the difference. There's something um, I also want to tell these guys is uh, and I'm sure Tom, you can test this. We talk about that 14 0 curse all the time. Uh, 14 0 doesn't mean nothing, it means jack all. Once you get to that 21-24, I've noticed it. I think Tom's noticed this. I think Stevens has noticed this. Once you get to that 21-24, your offensive playbook is just blown the wide open. 
it, it's the you know I'll I'll be in chat in Twitch chat and we're we're up fourteen nothing or we're down fourteen to nothing and I'm way more nervous even if we look this yeah because it's it's that doesn't mean shit it's and almost like it's almost like the AI starts you planning can, a little bit better. And more to the game plan, it's like, okay, let's stick to what we're doing. Let's let it play out. But I, you see us get up, and we did it a lot this year, get up 21. And I've been in the room with, with, uh, with and Frosty where it's just like, dude, you're up 14 to nothing, man. Why are you pacing and freaking? And I'm like, let us get to 21. Yep. And... And then we get to one, and I'm like, okay, there we go, and because the that you can throw it all out the window. Yeah, at 21, that playbook means jack shit. Gets to start to feed, because the play thrown out, the AI is just trying to play catch up, and if you've got your defense set up right, which I've been blessed enough to have on that end lately. You're deep, you, they come back. No. Uh, no matter how. That 21 to 24 deficit is the sweet spot if you're up. Uh, yeah. It it ruins an offensive playbook, that sort of deal. And there's not much we can do about that league-wise to fix that kind of issue. It's just kind of hard-coded. That's, I think, Florida of that are, are we always talk about the transition the ADs that you see them go from being very very good at aspect of the game to starting to figure aspect of the game out where you know Smitty's, Smitty's such a smart guy but he and he is an offense he if you you know he, he is very good at figuring the offense out making the offense do what it wants it to do he is now getting to the point where he's starting to figure the defensive side out and that's why you and it's got to be heartbreaking for him because it's happened i've done it to him a couple times i've seen other teams where he gets up 20 on somebody and you would normally say this game's out of reach teams have gone back and they've gone on 24 runs and that happens when the ai is thrown out and your defense is not set up the way it needs to be i think that's a also a very good uh Testament to the playbook that they choose. That it's that tight. Uh, you know, we talk about, and I don't know if Tom is a big ping in this. Uh, I like playbooks with formations around that 21 to 24 mark. That's what I look for whenever I'm picking a playbook. And yeah, you can get those deficit deals but you also get those big comebacks of the tight playbooks Mm -hmm. you don't you're not losing out like those 27 28 formation playbooks where it just starts throwing everything at the defense and trying to see what sticks and it never seems to work i mean obviously it does one in a hundred but that 21 to 24 mark 
typically you get something that sticks a lot sooner. Yeah, for me, and um, I have magic numbers. I, I and it's not necessarily a score all the time. It's a certain run pass ratio, a uh, screen to non-screen ratio. Um, you know, you talked about walking those safeties down, keeping the safeties back in a certain percentage, and so. You know, we talked about this earlier that sometimes when you first start AD and <clears throat> and you're, you, the things you always go, your, your first go-to is just out of habit is, okay, I'm going to go look at their stats. I'm going to go look at um, what the third down percentage was. Fourth uh, down, the time red zone. Down, red zone possession. Um, it's... Uh, we we talked about the national championship game. All those third downs that Wisconsin was in at halftime versus being in very few third downs, and uh, and you talk about an old old AD in the league that doesn't AD anymore. But the one thing that that he 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 told me that is part of my magic numbers of that what I look at is it's not necessarily what your third down conversion is because. 25% on third down conversion and you only went were on four times and you made it once. It's that's actually better than if your third down conversion is forty percent, but you were in third down twenty times in a game. I knew I, I knew the national championship game was over when I noticed that Wisconsin's defense over the course of probably five or six possessions with FSU's offense, they were in, you know, short third down conversions. They were in cover three, corners pressed, safeties drawn back. I knew it was over at that point. I just knew the defense wasn't properly set up for the game. That's and that's a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah, you want to out a playbook. Getting third and long. Yeah. Uh, a in thir third and four and under, it, it, it will see its game plan a lot more. Um, unless you figure out the playbook. And for me, the aggression sliders that you have a certain in order and call it in chat, even and especially we. Notre game when when Legend had those two massive third and long touchdowns. Mm -hmm. That as soon as I saw defense the way the defense was set up, I knew I was gonna call. And and it's it's so much stuff, guys. It's really yeah. I, I mean, I, we we could talk all day about what we wish yeah. our defensive cover scheme and everything was and. We're probably going to have to do that in separate podcasts. Just get, you know, like me, Grid, uh, Wookie, uh, a couple other guys that have slowly become these defensive minds that kind of understand the defense on a different level to get into this. And then we're going to have to do it in the offense also, you know, getting these guys like, and it's weird. 
you know, we got to talk Tom again. He's going to have to be on both because just what he has done and get Houston in here, uh, DT in here. And it's just, you know, it's, we've got these different scheme guys that focus on one point, and then we got these guys that are balanced. And it just helps the league so much getting these different kind of viewpoints on everything in. And it's one of those things that we just got to kind of figure everything out. And there's a lot that we can give you guys that are really looking to become ABs. A lot of experience through the trial and error that we've done. Uh, one of the big things I recommend to everybody, and Tom echoes this every time, is talk, talk, talk. It doesn't matter if you're a coordinator. It doesn't matter if you're doing it for fun. If you come to one of us with a question, we're going to answer it to you. And especially Tom, I will attest to this 100%. No matter what, yeah, Tom is going to answer your question. The big key to that is, uh, for me, is when I was talking to you today, Logan, it's let the guy drive. And it's, it's a lot of people don't understand what I mean by that is mm-hmm. guys drive and you were talking about it and Stephen was talking about it earlier because when they're driving, they pick it up and they, that light bulb goes off and it's really cool, really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest point that, uh, out of our conversation this morning that a lot of people can understand is don't, and like you touched on earlier. Don't look at third down. Don't look at fourth down. Don't look at red zone. Yes, those are very pivotal stats. Look at where your offense is. Look at what you have. And think to yourself, what is the best position for these guys to succeed? What plays make it work and then go off of that go into the formations and try to get the highest percentage of the formations that work because it doesn't matter what your third down is it doesn't matter what your red zone is it doesn't matter what your fourth down is if your guys aren't in the position to succeed the most that they can none of those stats will ever become possible And yeah, it's a good indicator that you're doing the right thing, but you need to go to the base first and then move to the afterward. Because if you, like Tom knows, I'm going for time and possession. Well, we fixed that. Now I'm just trying to separate what I already know we work on, and I'm just trying to exponentiate that. I've already got the rest of it figured out. Just trying to build on what I already know works. And that's the thing that yeah. I think a lot of young ADs don't look at is they get too caught up in the stats instead of breaking it down to the bare bones. And what I would add to that piece of that, because what you said was spot on, but and for someone listening would be that if you 
you can take just about almost any playbook. There are exceptions, but you could take just about any playbook that fits close to what you have, and you can tweak your sliders enough to where you'll have solid third down conversions. You'll have good red zone numbers, but like you and Tom are saying, if you're getting 20-plus third down attempts, that's not as good as you think. Even if you're converting 45% of them, you don't want to be in 20 third down conversion uh, opportunities and losing time of possession in a game somehow. That right. that doesn't mean you're having a successful offense. If you have 20% third down conversion percentage, but you're only in the third down three times, that's good. That's probably where you need to be. Yeah, and that that was a number that I got was you know my first year as an AD I was hung up on that, and I was trying to figure out why wasn't I having more success on offense whenever I was having these great like you know I there was a game um, I don't remember who I lost to but there was a game my first year I lost and we had like a almost sixty percent third down conversion rate and they had like a twenty percent third down conversion rate and they still beat us and. You know, with the small understanding I had that first year, I was like, "How I, I, don't, I don't understand how they beat us. Oh, it was just a big play. Well, it wasn't It wasn't that my defense wasn't doing well. It was that my offense wasn't actually doing nearly as good as I thought they were. Yeah. Like so those third-down conversions that, you were getting. Yeah, you saw that 60%. Well, you're at 16 attempts, and they're at that yeah. 20%. Well, they're only at four. Exactly. But it was it was hard at that moment to if you get in that mindset like this is what I need this is the number I want you get thinking like oh that's what I have to have and so I'm glad you guys brought that up that that's not really the telling story that you want to look at as an incoming AD it helps guide you but it's not the number you're wanting to base everything off of no and you know that's going to wind it up into probably the next episode because I really want to do a deep dive into offense here pretty soon. So I'm going to wind it up here. I'd like to thank every single one of you for listening. Uh, the, none of this is possible without you guys. We love the fact that the whole league is so intertwined to the content that we put out uh, as a content creator. And, you know, I never thought I'd be in this position to be able to talk to all of you about all the league, but, you know, we appreciate it from all of us at the Yellow Flag Podcast. You know, I'm Logan Mitchell. I've got to thank my host and producer, Jeff Melanition. Uh, I've got to thank Tom Pence, a.k.a. Grant. He's always coming in and helping us all out. He's honestly one of the better minds as an AD, and he's one of those guys that you've gotta just talk to even if you have no intention of being an ad talk to tom just get to know him he's a great guy uh stevens is another one of those uh i really like talking to him and he's one of those guys that you just gotta really get to know very well and don't put your league needs aside and try to get these two just to talk to these are two of the greatest minds to pick apart. Grin, obviously, is easily the best defensive mind we've got right now in the league. 
And if you've got any questions about defense or just how players kind of react, he's one of the guys definitely to talk to. So I'm going to I'm going to give it over to Tom. He's going to do the sign off this time because I think after all these, he's deserved it. It make me blush. Uh, it's been a privilege and an honor to get to talk to both of you guys in Bays. Um, it's it's just um, you know we do this uh, for the love of of this league and and uh, I can't wait till next week because uh, it's always a great treat and uh, we do go long and we forget so much and thank you Wookie for being on here I know I had to get off and and uh, and the guys that pop in and out and. Jeff, you know, and you, Logan, invite me the first time, but, you know, I hope you all have an amazing, blessed evening and and happy 4th of July. May your fireworks not hit you in the eye. Um, you all soon. Yep, and that's from all of us at the Yellow Flag Podcast. Have a great 4th of July, and as always, go Vols.